It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. By now, none of what I'm about to tell you should surprise you in principle when it comes uh, to the left and to the Biden administration. Uh, Yet another executive order, and in this case, instructing federal agencies to ramp up their use of antitrust and other interventionist federal policies to promote competition. Uh, This, uh, of course, under the commissioner, Lena Khan, uh, a progressive and someone who is an advocate of uh, aggressive use of antitrust. So what does this mean? And not just to our labor markets, uh, but also to, in part, our healthcare system uh, with hospital mergers and our labor market tied into that, obviously. Uh, for example, over the next 10 years, uh, one key part of our medical structure here in the United States is that we will have a need for what is an estimated 800,000 nurses, uh, whether LPNs, RNs, and even a need for uh, to fill the lack of available phlebotomists, something that you might not even think of on a daily basis, but a very real part of our system. Charles Sauer, economist and president of the Market Institute at marketinstitute.org, joins me. So the what's in it for me question for the listener, uh, Charles, what does this mean to them? Well, this means that if the Biden administration continues to get their way, that we're going to have less access to health care, that access to health care, the price is going to go up and generally the uh, quality of that health care is going to go down. And when we move this outside of health care, which you pointed out, it even gets worse. We don't get the products we want on Amazon. We don't see the search results we want on Google. So what the what the listeners get out of this is an awareness that basically everything that we like and use and pay for is going to get worse and the things that we already think are bad the biden administration is trying to find ways to make them even worse and harder to use the left believes broadly and directly in market control and if you control sectors of the economy especially in relation to health care for example you can exercise greater power over the citizenry over people is this a part of that approach yeah, I like to talk about it maybe a little bit differently. I think that they they like to act, and basically anybody that proposes a government-based solution, and the right isn't uh, void of this. Uh, the, the idea that the government can come in and fix your solution is just not truthful. And so, But they like talking about waving a magic wand and that solving their problems. And so... Uh, Lena Khan, in this case, is trying to say that the the government can stop these large corporations from uh, controlling our lives. And the fact is, is that the policies that she has proposed and that the Biden administration has gone along with and some members of the right have gone along with it well, end up not just not controlling these large corporations, but in fact, end up stopping the small competition from coming up behind them, which is 
honestly, what I see is the problem. I don't care. You know, some people like Amazon. Some people hate Amazon. I don't. I don't really think that anybody should take a side on Amazon as far as the government policy is concerned. But what we should want is innovation. And the more regulation that we have coming from the top means that the small guy, the Mark Zuckerberg when he's still in his dorm or Bezos when he's still in the garage, the next version of that, the next generation, has a hard time coming up with a policy that can not only beat Amazon, but then also beat the government and whatever Lena Khan wants to propose. You know, looking at her and her as the chosen and as the commissioner, obviously, FTC commissioner, I looked at her background, not just related to her uh, education background, Columbia, you know, the the various, call it hallmarks uh, of more left government uh, behavior and where she stands. It's also her capabilities. She's an academic. And we have someone at the FTC who is an academic who has written papers but has very little practice, literally very little practice uh, at doing the job when it comes to trade and the economy. To me, that's that's part of the problem here is she's educated but not experienced. Yeah, at, at 32, she's the youngest commissioner of the FTC. Um, and, that you know, like maybe maybe that's to be celebrated that, you know, she's accomplished and done this. But if you look at the fact that she has the top job and she's making these decisions that don't just affect, you know, where a stoplight goes in a city, but how our whole economy runs. I mean, these are big decisions that she's making. And she's not only um, said where she comes down, which is uh, she makes Bernie Sanders look like a moderate when he's talking about uh, the application of antitrust laws. But this 32-year-old doesn't have the experience running a business. She doesn't understand what it's like to risk your house or your mortgage or your, your children's college fund to start a business and actually pursue something that is going to provide value to customers. And so, I mean, I think it's a problem, but that's what we see when we look at the policies. You talked about the problem where they just look at bigness uh, earlier, and there's the left and uh, Judge Brandeis called it the curse of bigness. And I think that that's just kind of a ridiculous way to look at markets, right? Um, We need to look at how these companies are actually treating their customers. And if they can get big and treat their customers better, that is a good thing. And the government, at the very least, should just stay out of their way. I dug a little deeper. I I like to do that. I like to see how we got here. When Richard Cordray was illegally appointed by President Obama, right, if you're for the cons- to head the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, that yep. illegal appointment was overturned by the courts, and nothing was done. The Republicans actually had the majority and the ability to do something. So the Republican leadership in the Senate and the House did nothing about the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. It should have been dismantled according to the decision in D.C. District Court. Part of that 
was the one man from whom uh, our present, uh, I will call it, uh, subject, Lena, comes from. And that is Rohit Chopra, who was also put in and uh, installed as the third director of the CFPB. That's her former boss. He, by the way, 40 years old. Look, I'm not against young people getting ahead at 40. You're pretty much in your good part of your life. You've got the experience. But the fact is, a, a bureau that shouldn't exist, run by a leftist that came out of the Obama-slash-Biden era, produced someone else who went on to now become head of the FTC. And what I'm describing here is a failure in Washington whether by partisan sides or simply fact that this job shouldn't exist to produce from Chopra to her someone who carries forward that same approach that the CFBB was set up for, which is control of sectors of the economy under the guise of doing good. Well, it's one of the reasons I like talking with you, because we can kind of apply common sense to these issues and we can understand that uh, not just does common sense prevail uh, or not not just should common sense public policy prevail, but that common sense would say that this is likely a problem of both parties. And so what we see is that Republicans have been conflicted on a lot of these issues. And so one of the problems that we're seeing right now on public policy is that there was this perfect storm of we had large tech companies with this uh, perceived at the least and um, aggressively anti-conservative at the worst um, stances on how they were treating uh, the their platform. And so we had uh, right-leaning members that wanted to go after these companies. And then we have left, left-leaning members that just want to go after big companies to go after big companies. And we also have this younger generation of uh, pro-social media savvy uh, politicians that are coming up. So we're getting a a 32-year-old who knows how to use and leverage the modern messaging tools possibly better than some of her older and possibly more qualified colleagues. So, I mean, what we're seeing is this this storm of ability for non-common sense public policies to prevail and not and actually get more and more people on their side where it's harder to prove that the common sense idea here is to actually let these large companies exist because they're likely going to burn themselves out. You know, looking ahead, if, if we can, Charles, uh, how does this, and let's go back to the, uh, the medical system, the hospital issue, hospital consolidation, how does this likely work out if the, Biden administration gets their way and Lena Khan gets her way? Well, I think that there, there there's two ways. I, I think that there's two things happening. So what we have is two parallel tracks that will be moving. And the end result is actually good. But it's funny because uh, it's kind of broken window economics. But there is a market that I'll talk about in a second that I think will eventually take over and win. But if President Biden gets his way and they uh, roll back all of the openness that they gave us uh, in response to COVID, COVID, that COVID was amazing in the healthcare industry. If they roll back all of those changes and they continue pushing policies 
that layer more and more regulations into the system, what we end up with is a kind of a pseudo single payer system. It's kind of, you know, one hospital system to rule them all uh, will be what we have. But on the other hand, what is also happening right now is people are getting fed up. And by people, I mean individuals as well as employers and doctors and some hospitals that haven't bought into the system are fed up with the current system and have already opted out. So we have uh, Dr. Keith Smith. He's in Oklahoma. He lists his prices online. Uh, He started that somewhere around 15 years ago now. He was the only one doing it. Now we have surgery centers across the country doing it. Josh Umbers, a direct primary care doctor, charges his patients between $25 and $75 a month. Uh, There was just a few of them uh, about 10 years ago. He's now opening 10 to 20 a month uh, with other people around the country. So we're seeing this group of fed up patients, doctors, and employers that are really starting their own market and building it. And it's a magnitude cheaper than what we currently have in the mass healthcare market. And so it will continue to grow, but we're just starting to hit kind of that start of the hockey stick curve. So it's still going to take a few years before it makes it to everybody. All right. We'll keep a close eye on this. It's often the things they don't tell you about report on the little nuances in government, the advancement, as I mentioned, of, you know, these bureaucrats who come along from other bureaucrats and suddenly they're in charge. You know, people need to pay attention. Dig. If I can find the info, so can you. I'll throw that out to the whole audience. Charles, always a pleasure. Appreciate the work you do. Thank you. Charles Saar, economy and president of the Market Institute, the website marketinstitute.org. You can join me live on The David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east on Sirius XM Patriot 125.